0: And there we go, everyone. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night counter And they say the company you keep is what represents you and how well you are as a person, how well you do as a person. If tonight's guests are a representation of how well I do as a person, how well I am, I think I'm doing pretty well, which is quite nice. So we've got two very special guests to join me for the top 10 Manchester United strikers in the Premier League era. And yes, we are doing it in the Premier League era because there's no point in talking about plays that we've never seen. And we've got someone who can talk to us all about the Premier League, someone who's been working for uh, in football journalism for a long, long time now, staff editor for The Athletic, Anthony Hay. Anthony, it's good to see you again, my friend. I'm looking forward to our foot golf game this summer.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing all good. Thanks for having me on again, Hamza. It's been a long time.
0: It's been a I long time. I have been in
1: journalism that long. I'm not that old, mate.
0: Don't worry, I needed to make the, the audience <laughs> seem like we knew who, who who we got on. We got the right person on, which is pretty good. So no, it's nice to see you again. And as always, I'm really happy you're on the podcast today. Um, someone else who I'm very happy to join us today is someone who... I really enjoy listening to his content on travelling more than football. No offence, Zim, but you haven't really been uploading much on your football uh, content creation for a good number of months now.
2: Yeah, this is true. I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, Anthony's introduction was definitely uh, more so suitable for this <laughs> podcast than mine, but... Um, I'd say yeah, I'm just a general football connoisseur, um, football uh, enthusiast. So, yeah, I have knowledge without uh, the backing or qualifications. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, that own. makes
0: two of us, so we're all good. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I've, I've got backing. I would say my scouting qualifications count for something in the real yeah. world. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And obviously, being one of the co-hosts of a Away Games podcast as well, like I said, I haven't seen that happening for a while. So it's been good to get you back on. And hopefully we can see a bit more from... Um, the three of us over the next coming weeks as well. Like we said, it's now the time of recording. We're in the summer months of May. Looking forward to better weather, hopefully, looking forward to potentially getting a reunite, a reunited football session in London this summer coming up. So I'm really looking forward to what we've got going on. And I'm really looking forward to what topic we've got today because as opposed to talking about Wootweg Horse and Anthony Marshall and Anthony, Jaden Sancho, Bekundo Palistri, and Anthony Langer. We are slacking Manchester United fans in enjoying attacking players that we've got this season. Bruno Fernandes has done quite well. Marcus Rashford has done quite well. Everyone else is kind of hitting, but not really hitting consistently, which ain't great to say. So I thought, you know what? As we like to do on Friday Night Carrot like sometimes we do like to go back in time. We're going back in our little TARDIS as we were going back um, on memory lane. And we're going to be talking about the top 10 Manchester United Premier League strikers in the, in the Premier League era. But I wanted to kind of ask you before we crack on and before our audience get on involved with this as well. Did you both prepare a list for top 10s? No. Did, did you? <laughs> I nice. did. That, I've done a bit that, of that's, research. That's why
1: Antti has the qualifications of Weeders. Because I'm
0: a despised. journalist.
1: I've got to do my research.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So what I'm what I'm thinking Zim, is if there's a tie break between us, if there's like a if there's some of us saying yes, some are saying no, I think Anthony may have to decide and vote on which player goes where in our joint top ten list as That's well. It's a
2: lot of power though. I don't know if I'm I'm willing to <laughs> hand over that much power, you know. I mean, no one man can have all that power, but if it's okay.
0: one of the three of us, it's got to be Anthony, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'll uh, be the judge, yeah. Judge jurian, and an executioner, which is gonna be quite nice. So um, what I'm going to do, just as so a bit different to how we're kind of going about it, is we are going to be talking about um, strikers. We are going to be talking about number nines. We are going to be talking about players who have played for Manchester United in the number nine as a striking position. We are also going to be talking about players who have maybe played in a two up front. So, for example, if we're going to talk about Teddy Sheringham or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, sometimes they played elsewhere in the pitch, but more times than not they are played as a striker. Wayne Rooney will count as a striker for this one. Eric Cantona and Mark Hughes are going to count as a striker as well. So how we're going to kind of go about it is we are going to go from 10, 9 and above to number one. And it's going to be more of a Russian roulette type thing. So if we find a player that we think all of us unanimously agree upon 10, then it's going to go for it. So, for example, if I think, you know what, Ruva Nistre deserves to be number five. Zim's going to say, you know what, I think he should be number three. And so you would then get the and vote in terms of actually Hamza, I think is more of a number three than number five in this list as cool. well, which would be good fun. Zim, why don't we start off with you and who you think should be number ten in the Premier League era of strikers for Manchester United? Because I'm, we're gonna go one place at a time, so we're not always gonna be arguing about the top ten list as well. But obviously, Anthony gets to decide and vote. I've got someone in mind who I think would be really good for number ten, but I wanted to kind of get your perspective on it because obviously, you like um, choosing players who have a bit of flair, a bit of Jonas Aqua, a bit of Vum. Are we gonna go somewhere like Louis Saha to kind of make the top ten list, or are we gonna go somewhere where? Someone like a Zlatan Ibrahimović, who came in for a year or so on a free, uh, won us a couple of trophies and then kind of buggered off. What's your kind of thought process for this, team?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, normally my my thought process sort of, um, I get caught between choosing a player that I have a lot of affection towards because they've just given me so much joy and, you know, there isn't necessarily a a tangible thing that I can say, this is why you are better than so-and-so. So I get caught between choosing those ones or ones who are just out-and-out out quality, like a gunman, you know. So um, I'm going to start off with um, sort of somewhere in between, someone who um, was yeah, instrumental for our treble win, um, someone who um, wasn't necessarily a starter but was very impactful. Um, you know which direction I'm going with. Um Begins with an S, the surname begins with an S, but still doesn't give it fully away. So I'm going to go with Teddy Sheringham. I'm going to go with number 10. Yeah, you thought I was going to say someone else, but uh, it might be a bit higher on the list.
1: Fun
0: fact, fact. the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I I literally listened to the Teddy Sheringham podcast from the Man United official podcast as well. Mm. And I was listening back to it and I was thinking, he was so impactful. But when Man United fans talk about strikers of the past, he rarely gets mentioned. And it's quite sad to see because he only came in for a short period of time at Manchester United. He had such a big career previously at Millwall and Tottenham Hotspur as well. And when he came into Man United in his second season, He won Mm. the treble, which was unreal. He scored in the FA Cup final, scored the equaliser in the Champions League final and assisted in a way with that little flick on to Ole Solskjaer to win the Champions League final as well, which is unreal. So Teddy Sheringham at number 10. Uh, You know what, Antti, what what would you say with Teddy Sheringham? Has he made your top 10 list? What are you
1: thinking of this one? So when I wrote my top 10 list earlier, I actually had Sheringham at number nine, but then I rubbed him out. Only because I was born in 91 Obviously, Sheringham was in his pomp at, what, 98, 99. Mm. So I can't really vividly remember him as a footballer. Obviously, yeah. I remember him when he was like 40, like towards the end of his career. That but I can't really remember stuff. him in his pomp at Man United. So I couldn't put him in my top 10. But obviously, I respect what he done in terms of the treble team. So I think having him at number 10 is fine with me. Um, I could probably put him in somewhere in mine. But yeah, I actually rubbed him out of mine. Oh, my
2: days. Just on that, Anthony, I have a feeling that someone else is going to be in your top 10 who you didn't get to see much. So it's an interesting argument you use there, but um, let's see as as we go further along down the list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the other guy who we're going to talk about, he was just more impactful. And obviously my dad had a big saying about who I supported and who the players he grew up watching. So yeah, he'll come into my list. But yeah, sharing him just about didn't make it, but I can have him at number 10. That's good. The cool. judge is going... Judge Anthony is happy with us <laughs> going with Teddy uh, Ted Sheringham at
0: number 10, which is pretty good. Um, so for number nine as well, I'm, I'm happy with Teddy Sheringham at number 10, obviously. Great player, scored amazing goals for Manchester United, very impactful um, for what he was at Manchester United. Had that little spat with Andy Cole, apparently didn't really get on quite well personally, but obviously mm. got on professionally, which obviously helps Manchester United. I think we need a bit more of that in, in Premier League football. Players that don't really get on as friends, but get on as colleagues just to get mm. them to be better players and better teams in general, which is great. Um, I'm wearing this shirt for a reason. I'm wearing this shirt for a reason. We haven't had many Argentinian strikers mm. in the past at Manchester United. But the, stri- the Argentinian striker we had in that time period between, of 2007 to 2009 was part of a double winning team. He was also part of a Premier League winning team and a League Cup. So he won the double-double. He won a double in 2008 and a double in 2009. He was impactful in all of the games that he played in that season, barring probably three or four where he didn't really turn up in those games. But the fact that you can name a handful of his bad games or a handful of his good games goes to show how well of a striker he was. He then obviously moved to our arch-rivals, Manchester City. He then decided to play devil's advocate consistently Putting his arms up um, next to his ears, not with my headphones on, to Sir Alex Ferguson after he scored. Um, Having that rest in peace, Fergie, sign on an open top bus after the arch-neighbours won the league. The Blue Moon had risen in Manchester as well. Unpopular opinion, but does Carlos Tevez
1: make your list, Anthony? He's high up on mine. Ooh, okay. He's actually, you guys probably won't agree with this, but he's number four on my list. Only because that 07-08 team was my favourite ever Man United team. Agreed. Seeing him, Ronaldo, Rooney, all in their pomp, all in their heyday, tear up the Champions League, tear up the Premier League. I don't think he can beat that team. So yeah, Tevez 100% gets into my top 10 and he's in my top 5. Um, I was gutted when he went to City because I thought, Fergie, I think that was one of his biggest mistakes. Obviously he made a few transfer mistakes during his time at United. But I think not signing him on a permanent deal when he was available for, what, 35 million?
0: Yeah, I think 30 that was million. The it was those yeah. agent fees that done him. He's like, I don't want to pay for the agent fees. And you're like, yeah. just, just do it. That's how <laughs> football's <laughs> changing now. Yeah, because <laughs> then Literally. we spent
1: that money on Berbatov, didn't we? But Tevez, for me, him and Rooney, they just had that connection. They could both play as a number yeah. nine. They could both play as a number 10. They just had that connection along with Ronaldo, which yeah, I don't mean you really can beat that. So yeah, Tevez, 100%, is in my top 10 and he's in my top
2: five. Zim, would you put him in your top five so we can save him for later? Um, do you know, because of everything you mentioned with um, putting his hands on his ears and RIP for all of that stuff, he wasn't in my list. But obviously, it was a mental list because mm. as we established, our we had ad-libbed. him prepared. We, we, yeah, we had yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking about keeping him out. But when I think about his just his pure ability and, and the joy he gave me, um, top five... No, he'd be in my top six which is a weird like sort of top but yeah he'll be he'll be in and around yeah, yeah not quite top five though. so
0: we can save him for a bit later on yeah, um, yeah. but that, that was my unpopular opinion of, of this podcast I would say with Carlos Tevez does that Manchester United team in 2008 win the Champions League what do you think Anthony
1: which one the team in 2008
0: yeah do we win the Champions League without
1: Carlos Tevez ah oh, well that's a great question um Maybe we do, just because how clinical Rooney and Ronaldo were. But I think Tevez just put that extra sprinkle dust, that magic to that team, along with Rooney, his partnership, his connection with like, the dressing room with like, Evera and Park. I just love the vibe of that team. We had two people up favorite. front that season as well, That's which it.
2: is unreal. Their synergy, their aggression, their pressing—before mm. pressing was this like buzzword. Like they, they were on smoke when it came down to it. Yeah, yeah. And
1: they're like, the players who will do anything for the badge. They'll do anything for the other players around them. And I think we're missing that in the current Man United team.
0: Absolutely, you're seeing probably one with like Bruno Fernandes always playing out position, and then it just doesn't, it doesn't get it reciprocated across the team, which ain't great at all. But when you're thinking about it, Luis Saha was mostly injured that season as well. We had a young Danny Welbeck coming through. In the, um, in the academy and in the reserves as well I heard a story recently Ante, I'm not sure if you heard it uh, as well I think it was Rio Ferdinand and Emmanuel Vidic on Rio Ferdinand's channel saying when Danny Welbeck was training for the Champions League final against the first team he scored a hat-trick against Vidic and yeah. Ferdinand yeah,
1: yeah
0: yeah. the day before insane. the final yeah I heard that the other day day before the final insane so it shows the quality levels that they had at Manchester United but I'm of that opinion where I think if we don't have Carlos Tevez it will just be a league winning season I don't think we make that extra push Mm -hmm. to the Champions League. Again, scoring one of the penalties in Moscow as well. And Mm -hmm. he was one of the main factors in getting Didier Drogba sent off in that final. Yeah, that's true. That clutch player for Chelsea just wasn't there for the penalty, the fifth penalty. So it kind of worked in our favour, which is really well done. So not often you'd hear Man United fans giving Carlos Tevez his flowers, but he got his flowers for those two years for what he did for Manchester United um, as well. And I'll never forget that 5-2 comeback that Man United had against Tottenham at Old Trafford Mm -hmm. when he came on as a sub for nanny and turned the game on its head which was crazy to see That's one of the few times you actually saw Berbatov Tevez Rooney and Ronaldo as a front mm. at Old Trafford which was unreal to see unreal to hear about actually back in the days it was so so good now we just have horse and, and T Marcel to get gassed about I'm not letting let's <laughs> not talk about that I'm not letting it it get, about that. get PTSD over Woot, this guy Woot, man, just give it to Charlie <laughs> McNeil get him back from his loan spell just bring him back
2: yeah but it did T- Tevez didn't score pivotal goals in the lead-up to the final uh, Champions League. That's what I was trying to think.
1: Yeah, I don't think he did, did he? Not yeah. in the final.
0: It was more in terms of the fact that sometimes Rooney could be rested in the league. So it was sometimes like Tevez would play on his own yeah. and uh, mm. Ronaldo could sometimes get a rest in the FA Cup and the League Cup as well. So he was a proper squad player, but would always start every now and then. Kind of like you yeah. see with heung Son. He'd always start the games, but if you got a lower, lesser opposition, you'd always have Tevez playing or Son playing as well. Like you do kind of for Tottenham as well. Mm. Um, and that allowed Ronaldo to kind of had his, his he had he always had a winter break every now and then when you yeah. had the, the the Christmas period coming up. He wouldn't play those games every two, three days and give
2: play one game, have a rest, one game, have a rest, which oh. worked really well. It's a good... It's a good... That's really good depth. I just think... I think that's what frustrated Tevez because he knew he was a quality of like a player that should start. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think when he did, I think um, it was the Roma match in the quarterfinal that we won 1-0. Um, yeah, he bagged in that to be fair. So he did score mm. in one of the knockout rounds. But um, yeah, generally, I don't really remember him scoring like um, winners or things like that. But no, he, he definitely played an important part. I won't take that away from him. Nicely done. So
0: Carlos Tevez will somewhat find his way into our list as well. But now we need to find a number nine mm. from our list of number nines. Number nine. yeah. mm. Ooh. Ooh. um, I'm not sure where we can go with this one, Antti. I'm probably going to ask for some help. But I'm thinking, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, does he make it into your list?
1: Yeah, he was 10th for mine, actually. Oh, OK. So you're happy yeah. to swap Sherringham and Zlatan around then for that free transfer? Yeah, because you two went with that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. That's but right. yeah, Ibra for me, I think... He's just one of those signings who you were buzzing over. Like when he joined, obviously he was at PSG, he'd done his business in Italy before that with AC Milan, Inter, Juve, and it's just one of those signings where you think you need to see him in the Premier League. And for him to come to United, he scored 17 goals, Premier League goals in his first season. That was. I know he was injured throughout the second season, but yeah, he's just a big player. Another one of those players who plays for the badge, gives their all when they're playing, and he's quality even at his age. What was he? Thirty five. 36 when he was at United, yeah. but he was still doing the business for us in that first season. So yeah, he makes the top 10 for me, for his goals, his personality, and just what he brought to Man United. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is probably one of the few signings I got gassed over, not only
0: because it was a free transfer, but got me to postpone my holiday. Not postpone it, but delay what I was doing on my holiday to watch a pre-season game. Man United versus Galatasaray. I'm in Dubai. I've come back from my trip to Japan. wink. Wink. Zim, just in case that's one of your South East Asian countries. We'll, we'll see. We will have to wait and see when no this comment. comes out. No, no comment. comment. No comment. No comment. <laughs> I'm I'm in Dubai and I should be going out to dinner. And actually, like you know what? Let's chill in the hotel, watch Man United versus Galatasaray, and he scores an <laughs> overhead kick in his pre-season <laughs> debut. You yeah. know, like, this is what we've got to expect from it's Zlatan really on a free transfer. That's it really does. really good. <laughs> and I, I'm I'm of the opinion as well that post-Rex Ferguson, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is our best signing as a striker for Manchester United and I can't think of anyone better that we spent our money on maybe Martial maybe Lukaku but realistically I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic for what he brought to us that season Mm. um, amazing striker Zim what Mm. do you have to kind of say about
2: uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic he's a lion man like you know they they walk different to humans isn't it like it's just <laughs> it's just it's just different and there's one thing to have that arrogance that air of superiority about you but when you can back it up when you can walk the walk like it's it's justified because um i don't want to take it too much away from man united but like him going to milan who hadn't won a scudetto in how many years a decade or whatever it was um and you know he gets the youngsters over the line. It shows his mentality is as strong as his like physical, like his footballing attributes. You know, um, and physically as well. You know, he's obviously six foot five. You know, cr- you know he's got like the strength of a lion, um, mm-hmm. but then his ball control is there. And I think we haven't had like that sort of player to kind of make things calmer when the game was getting frantic. Like, Lukaku, for instance, is a signing who came afterwards, um, post Sir Alex Ferguson, and I think he didn't have that calming aura. Yeah, he's younger, less experienced, but, you know, the fact that Zlatan was able to do that whilst post-peak is just, yeah, it says a lot about his character. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. for him to be there for sure. Top mm-hmm. baller. Mm-hmm. And, and I was at like ready- the
1: League Cup final against Southampton and he dragged us to that. He scored, what, two goals? He scored a um, three-kick yeah. as well. Yeah, and yeah. one of them was in the final five minutes when Herrera clipped the ball to him and he yeah. nodded the ball home. So, yeah, he won us that and obviously he won three trophies with us that season. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a baller. Uh,
0: nice, nicely done, especially with his last anniversary which is a timeless classic as a striker that we've seen in world football for so many years. And the fact that he started playing football in, what, 1999? And now 2022 is still playing what three, four decades has gone through in terms of playing football. It's That's crazy. unreal, unreal yeah. to see. And yeah, definitely happy to talk about that for this one and our number nine, which is good to see. Right. There's a player that I've got on my list that I want to kind of know. Does he does he get into this list because of how many Ooh. strikers have got in, or are we gonna have to kind of put him to a side? Intriguing. So intriguing from my point of view is I have to kind of mention. I have to mention Javier Hernandez. Does he get into oh, the list?
2: Okay. He, went there. He, he gets no, into not, mine. Not for me, not for me.
1: Oh, this Go is on, tricky.
2: Anthony. Why why'd you say he gets into yours? So he was ninth on my list. I just
1: think he was a super sub who we could rely on. Like throughout all those title winning seasons, he won two titles with us. Obviously, he was part of the Champions League runner up upside. And Fergie could trust him. Like if we needed a goal, he would get you those goals from the bench. And he never complained. He scored, how many goals would he score a season? Maybe like 15? Some of them, Mm. most of those appearances were coming from the bench. And he never complained. So I think those players are vital for a squad going for the Premier League. And he was just crucial for us. How much did we get him for? Was it like 7 mil? 7 million from Guadalajara. Yeah, he came in, hit, hit the ground running. And there was just never any complaints. So yeah, for me, he's in the top 10 Just because of his goal output and what he'd done off the bench, I think that's vital when you're going to win a Premier League. There was that that game against Aston Villa, if you remember as well. I think he scored a
0: hat-trick after coming on at half-time when we were playing that diamond formation against Aston Villa and Van Persie crossed the ball into him once. He scored a header, did a long-range free kick and uh, he headed on from it as well. It kind of goes to show the impact of substitutions over the season as well. How how they can turn zero points into three, zero points into one. Mm-hmm. And having someone like Javier Hernandez will always remember that backwards header against Stoke. Yeah. Uh, yeah that that debut goal of him kicking the ball in his face and then scoring <laughs> <Yes>. against Chelsea <laughs> in the that community,
1: shield? Yeah. community
0: shield. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Ch- uh, title win in Chelsea as well. So it goes to show we could we could we could sleep it down. They could they could hold it down basically, which is crazy. Yeah. But there's so many of these strikers that we've got to put on this list, but we have to find a proper place for some of them because I want to mention Berbatov, I want to mention Hernandez, I want to mention Dwight York, and I want to mention Anthony Marshall. But do they? Do we fit all of them in, or are they going to be around?
1: I've
2: I've got in? like I've got someone else actually, um, and to be honest, respectfully, I I'd put him behind Zlatan, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, <laughs> some of the examples you gave of Javier Hernandez right now. They're, they're a bit comical, you know. Yeah. And, and I get that, you know, yeah, he was an impact sub and he he did the business when he was called upon. But in terms of, like, that class, that calming head, that, you know, just that quality, I, I prefer to put that ahead of someone like Hernandez, personally. Who's um, a bit was, chaotic. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. as long as it comes with, you know, some success and, yeah, like... One of my mentions is is Henrik Larson and it's controversial because it was just on loan, and it was it was a very short stint. But I think if we didn't have him that season, um, two thousand and seven, we wouldn't have gone on to to win. Like uh, Chelsea had won the um, the title two seasons before that, and we needed to claw it back because it was like, oh, um, Arsenal won, then Chelsea won, and Chelsea won again. It's like, oh, has Sir Alex lost it? Larson comes, calms things down. We win a title, you know, from January onwards and then we go on to do a free peat and then we go on to like develop one of our better teams and I'm just like, he was like one of the, he was one of the instigators for that and it was his calming presence, like if we could have had him for longer, we would have, I know we, we didn't but I just think I'd rather someone like that than, I know, Hernandez, he wasn't. We could have had someone else instead of Hernandez that would have gotten mm. us over the line. That's that's my thinking personally but okay. I hear it.
0: So it's so kind of to move forward with this. First of all, with Henrik Larsson, you know I love Henrik Larsson. Only a year before that as well. He was the guy who assisted both goals in the Champions League final for Barcelona to win their first Champions <laughs> League after coming off the bench. The talkers of Iniesta mm. coming off the bench, but Henrik Larsson was the one who changed the game. We've gone through this so many times. I've still got my, my uh, video up there as well yeah. on our Instagram page of how much we gassed up Henrik Larsson and how Sean was up hating Henrik Larsson. And, and I love it as well <laughs> because he killed it for Arsenal, which is great. <laughs> I always love Henrik Larsson. got so much time for him. But I think with the impact that Hernandez had post-Ronaldo, Mm -hmm. I think that had more of an impact for me and if you remember in that 2011 season his debut season Wayne Rooney was out of the team not because of injury but because of controversial off-field reasons as well yeah yeah, yeah. that was more in terms of how he wanted a new contract how he didn't feel appreciated the fans were singing against him at certain games as well and you had someone like Javier Hernandez kind of just chipping in with the goals week in week out just doing the job professionally as well so with Henrik Larsson coming in for that three-month loan spot, I'll love him, man. I always love him for that. And I wish to God we had him as a striker when we could have signed, when we signed someone like Luis Sahara, I would say it would have been, him and Van Nistra at front would have been like chef's kiss. It would have been so, so mm. sick. But unfortunately, um, I, I think Henrik Larsson is a great honourable mention, but I've got to go for Javier Hernandez.
1: I'm sticking with my gut on this, but it's all up to Anthony. Anthony's the one with yeah, the... Yeah, to it. He Precious on. There. Now, Larsson's on my reserve list. He, he didn't make my top 10. As you said, he was only at United for three months. I know he did make a big difference off the bench and stuff, but I don't think he impacted the rest of the team that much compared to someone like Hernandez. I was just looking at Hernandez's stats. In his first season, he scored 20 goals in 45 games. And he was just one of those hidden gems who no one knew about, but Fergie and his scouting team managed to pluck him out of Mexico to score 20 goals in your first season coming from Mexico.
2: I think he deserves a nod for that. So. Yeah, we need, to a, we, need, we need a scout and department like that now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, let's not get into
0: it. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, we, we missed that as well. We we're looking at some of these plays and you're just kind of there like, oh, everyone knows about these plays, but because there's so many plays outside of like Europe, but like you had that um, Italian striker who's in Argentina. What, what's his name? Rattugui. I forgot how you pronounce his name, but he played for Italy, made his debut, but he's Argentinian, playing for mm. Italy. And now his value has gone up like 50 million just by making his debut. Italy mm. against England, which is crazy to see. Um, Evan Ferguson will probably cost like 50 million if you need a new striker. Harry Kane, don't even want to go into it. Oshimen, astronomical figures. Napoli will want to make a profit if they want to sell him this season as well. So it goes to show. We need to sc- start scouting properly, finding uh, some hidden gems here, there, and everywhere, which would be good. right Zim, I'll let you suggest someone for around number seven, number six. Who have you got in mind? Um, that we may not have mentioned already. We could go back to the, the treble winning side of 1999 we could be going to somewhere in the mid-2000s where we kind of were lacking or maybe got one or two golden oldies still to come. Who's going to suggest for this one?
2: Yeah, um, so we're, we're on six already, right? Yeah, yeah. that's so... I, no, no, I seven, have... sorry. We've got oh, wait, one um, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, no, that, that
0: Latin, it... Hernandez. There we go.
2: Yeah, that makes it better. Um, so, it's the other S in, in the treble winning season and this is one of my favourite players of all time growing up. I used to love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um and, yeah, obviously he became our manager like a couple of decades afterwards, but, um, yeah, just the memories that I have, even like nostalgic memories from watching Premier League years and seeing him, he he, he sort of always managed to find the bottom right corner in his finishes um, and even if he was clean through on the right-hand side, he would hit the bottom left corner. Like, he, he was really good at finding corners. Like, so... I thought he was a clinical striker. Um as Auntie kind of alluded to, there are some players that we didn't get to see like live in action all the time because of our age. Um so I don't actually remember him being the super sub growing up, I just knew Solskjaer for being this goal scorer. Like when I used to see my cousins in Manchester and see like the stadium and, you know, like watch some of the matches, like he he would just stand out to me. Um and so yeah, other than um, the the treble winning uh, match and him getting the winning goal, you know, scoring four goals at Nottingham Forest, like all types of goals, left foot, right foot, top corner, all of that stuff. And we had a, he all he did it with a with a smile in his face and a baby face. So um, mm. I resonated with that a little bit. So uh, yeah, no, Salah would be my my choice for number seven. What th- do you think?
0: I'm happy with him at number seven, but I'm kind of wondering do we then? does that mean by the definition we put Dwight York ahead of him or we don't put Dwight York in at all because of how Dwight York's impact from that season in 98 99 came across as well? So, uh,
1: Anthony, was Dwight York on your list and was Solskjaer on? Your York, list? York and Solskjaer were both on my list. So I had York Who? number seven hmm. and Solskjaer number eight. Oh, just so, yeah, there wasn't much in it, but yeah. I think Solskjaer has to be in the list. Obviously, he's another super sub like Hernandez, who never complained when he was on the bench. He never was really like an out-and-out starter. But he used to score so many goals. And he scored, he won six titles, I think it was. Yeah. So, and obviously went on to manage us. He's a club legend. Um, and obviously that Champions League goal, he should be in the list just for that alone. So, definitely. yeah, he's got to be in the top ten. And we've only got a soul show as well. The fact
0: that he stayed at the club until around 2006, 2007, because he had so many injuries to kind of deal with as well, it shows that persistence of how well he was still remembered and appreciated at the club, even though he wasn't really playing in the side for a good number of years um, as well. Because even with me, I'd have him on like FIFA, like 04, 05, and not mm-hmm. on Pez, but you'd never see him in real life. You had like Alan Smith, Louis Saha, Wayne Rooney, Van uh, Nistroy. Solskjaer would never be seen on the pitch because he was always recovering from an injury and then one random day in 2007 after Man United had won the league who's there leading out the team? Skabrio Heinzer and then who's at the back of the list? You've got Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in that mm-hmm. started lineup at Stamford Bridge which is crazy and you're just like oh he's finally here it's great mm. to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And he had a couple more games in that 2006-2007 season as well, which was great to see. And it was really nice to see him kind of back in that first-team environment, flourishing with this new young team of Ronaldo and Rooney, Luis Sahara as well, and the attack, uh, G-San Park as well, of course, which was great to see. But no, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm really happy with that, as that choice for number for number seven. So does that mean... I'm happy to put Dwight York at number six. There's there's other two ways about it. Dwight York mm. was a, an impact signing when you wanted someone who... You wanted to kind of grasp the title back from Arsenal straight away. Who did you need someone like Dwight York to come in, score the goals that he did, provide the amazing combination of Andy Cole, who I'm pretty sure we were all going to be talking about him later on as well. But um, Anthony, are we happy with having Dwight York one up from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because of his impact that he had in the
1: season? hundred percent, yeah. Another one who was part of that treble winning side. And obviously he'd done the business at Villa and then he came to United and he, he'd done just as well at United he's only out for four seasons but during those four seasons he made such an impact so yeah he has to be in the list and then I've got Cole just one ahead of York so yeah they're really? both in Oh, um, did he win the free peat as well Dwight York
0: the original free peat y- yeah. yeah yeah he did yeah. yeah I was just thinking about that as well so you've got Dwight York that's done that Solskjaer was injured for that Teddy Sheringham left after that mm. Andy Cole and Dwight York were there as well um, in that respect so just so we can clarify on our list, we've got Terry, Teddy Sheringham at 10, but Zlatan Ibrahimović at 9, Javier Hernandez at 8, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at 7, Dwight York at 6. Now we've got, what, yeah, we've got five more people left to go, um, which would be oh, crazy, crazy, but I'm <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking now, Andy Cole, I want him higher on my list than five. I think he deserves a bit more of that respect. Definitely. Now we've just got to figure out who kind of got left. So let me just roll out a few. But Ruud Van We've got Robin van Persie, Eric Cantona, Andy Cole, and Wayne Rooney wow. to an extent. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not considering Anthony Marshall. Um, he would have been no. on my maybe list because he went left wing striker, striker left wing. He's been all over the place. I won't be considering Marcus Rashford number ten because he's also kind of someone that's kind of been there and done that at different positions as well, but not really held down that number nine position. If we're being honest about it, as mm. well. So, The current players we're kind of talking about, not because they're on bad form at the moment, at the time of speaking, it's nothing to do like that. But when you're thinking about it, if when Rashford broke onto the scene um, for Manchester United, he came on as a striker, yeah, yeah, then you had a season of Zlatan, you had a season of Lukaku, then you had Martial go back into number nine and then just rotated back to Rashford Mm. every now and then, and then Tanahog brings it back in as a nine, sometimes as a winger. Um the whole reason we got Woot as a winger as a, as a loan signing sorry is because Rashford fries off the left so I gonna mm. consider Marcus Rashford as a number nine are we missing any more from the five that I just kind of mentioned Rooney Van Persie um, Cantona Andy Cole Van Nistroy who can we no, know that's my that's my top five I think
1: oh Tebes. you're going to put Tebbers back in somewhere aren't you
2: yes we are
0: now we've got to figure out do we do we
2: have, to, I cut think we have someone? to shift I think yeah we have to um shift someone behind? <laughs>
0: do we have to mm-hmm. get rid of someone for the sake of it?
2: Yeah. Ooh. Start from start from the back,
0: maybe. Yeah, because Berbatov's not making this list. This is what I'm saying. So now nah, my
1: reserve list was Berbatov, Larson, Sheridan, and then I just thought about Lukaku, Kovani, Marshall, but they were nowhere near it.
2: Mm. For good reason as well. Um, yeah. I mean it's it's unfortunate though. Post Sir Alex, though, like those signings probably could have been better but anyway mm. that's, a, that's a whole nother issue.
0: Lukaku scored 26 goals in his first season for Man United as well it's just the fact that he never had the longevity to
2: continue doing it mm. but the different it was, managers but but we've established it wasn't just about longevity because Schengen wasn't there for that long and you know it, it's just I think the success needs to accompany the goals as mm. well I, I agree didn't have that yeah. it's,
0: it's the fact you're looking at Lukaku and you're thinking in that season when we had Chelsea in the FP Cup final he came off the bench like, it was mm. Lingard, Sanchez and Rashford as our front three against Chelsea. Yeah, so it was the yeah. most boring FA Cup final. We lost it. And he came on in, like, 18 minutes with Anthony Martial. Yeah. So, it goes to show we spent £75 million on a player. Mm. He can't even turn up for us in an FA Cup final by starting for us. So, it goes yeah. to show that mm. with the longevity argument that we had, yeah, fair enough. But even when you've got the short-term players, like Teddy Charingham or Dwight York, they came in with a straight impact and they lost yeah. trophies, which is great. So, I yeah. uh, definitely get your point of view, Therese. Uh Definitely understandable. Right, Carlos Tevez has to make this list as well. Oh, I probably forgot about him. I should have written him down. Um, <laughs> my, do we, I, it, it doesn't look right without Teddy Sheringham. That's the thing. It
2: so, Hernandez has should to it. Do we put, take out uh, Hernandez then? Because I,
1: yeah. I had Sheringham before. yeah. And then I scrubbed him out and put Hernandez. But if you two want Sheringham over Hernandez, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah we're not getting rid of Zlatan by any means necessary. Yeah, no.
0: um, so, do we put Te- Tevez at eight? So, we've got Sheringham, Zlatan... Tevez Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Dwight York or do we go yeah. Sheringham Zlatan then just get rid of Hernandez and then
1: Ole Gunnar Solskjaer York then Tevez so no. Tevez was full for mine but I was biased towards him so you two can decide <laughs> Tevez uh, at 6 I'm going for Tevez at 6 To 6
2: yeah, yeah you can do that
0: can do that's that. fine the internet will hate us but we so don't so where's York
2: this. where's York
0: York is 7 so Sheringham 10 Zlatan 9 uh,
2: Ollie at eight, York seven, Tevers at six. Put York above Tevers. Put York above Tevers. I, like, tra- I was saying a treble, wasn't it. I was saying a, yeah. treble. <laughs> you know, a treble. He scored 20 goals in in the 98-99 season. I think he might have got like 20 assists or something. He, he, he got a, a good amount of assists in that season. It was unreal. Mm. But I think it slept upon. Because I think assists weren't really... I don't know, they weren't really respected in the same mm-hmm. way they are now with the GA and all of that stuff in the yeah. modern era. But no, York, very, very slept on for that season. A pivotal part. Um, Especially
0: yeah. in that comeback against Juventus as well in 1999. Yeah. That iconic commentary as well. Uh, which dummy, is great
2: uh everything about it. Yeah. That
0: dummy at Barcelona as well, exactly. That's another thing. Cold and York, just an iconic partnership. But um, for five, I'm going to... It it may not come as a shock shock to you, but I don't want Andy Cole at five. I want him a bit higher up. And the one who I want at number five, uh, I'm going to go for Robin Van Persie at number five. Because when you're thinking about Robin Van Persie, that, that first season was the definition of one season wonder it was more than wonderful because he won us the league. And that left foot was the most precious left foot in the whole of Manchester that season (laughs) from Mm. any kind of job description because he was so Mm. on it every single game. If he wasn't scoring, he was assisting. He was taking our corners, our free kicks. He was the one that was bringing the composure and the calmness to the team as well. And Whenever you see kind of the Harry Kane rumours for Man United, you'd see the whole, oh he could have the RVP impact, impact. sorry. And mm. with Robin Van Persie, he had the definition of an impact with what he did coming into that side with Manchester United, missing out on goal difference the season before in the Premier League. Andy, what do you kind of remember most of all from that first season of Robin Van Persie? Um, from your point of view as well. Did you were you a bit skeptical with the sign in 24 million pounds? Because considered
1: quite a lot for a 30, no, for a 28-year-old, sorry, from Arsenal. Was he 28, 29?
0: The no, 28. I
1: loved I loved the sign in. And that first presser when he was going on about how the little kid inside of him wanted to join United, winding up all the Arsenal fans. I loved yeah. it. And I think he won that league for us single-handedly. Like, without him, we would have got nowhere near the league. So he was actually third on my list just for that one season. And I know, obviously, it's recency biased, but I just loved him during that season. 30 goals in 48 games during his first season at the club. I know he tailed off pretty quickly, but that was because Fergie left and he played in a poor, moist side. And then that it's first still season, still scoring
0: the moist side as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, that, and everyone that, was poor
2: in that side as well.
1: Yeah, it's true. And then that first season under Van Howe. Um, but yeah, he was third on my list. He's definitely in my top five just because he won us that title um, single handedly, I think.
0: Zim, RVP yeah. or Ruud Van Nistro, who's higher on your um, makeshift list? On your average
2: so, list? <laughs> so I remember I told you about like. Having an affinity towards like someone how they play and then one who's just outright just the better player or better striker. Yeah. Um, um Van Persie, I have more of an affinity towards. I feel feel like although they sort of won the same things in that um they didn't win a Champions League for us, they it was limited to the league, um, which is obviously incredible. I think we we were afraid of like uh trajectory of City and and the fact that we could just get it back and um uh as you said a one season wonder like he came to do his job and he did it like that's I I, I have Van Persie higher in my heart but then for this list I wouldn't mind like Rude just 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 being there because he was an absolute gunman and when like if we're talking about overall play I would choose Van Persie but this is about greatest striker, so I'm I'm happy to have Rude ahead. And what you mentioned about Harry Kane as well was interesting because <laughs> there's a lot of s house houseery with the fact that when you type in Van Persie on Google, it will still say number twenty for Man United. It will have pictures of him at Man United instead of Arsenal. That is mm-hmm. amazing, bro. Yeah. Like that <laughs> that's taken a bit. So when I think about Kane, right, if he were was to come to United and help us win the league or whatever. Mm. Tottenham legend, yeah, yeah. But All-time goal re- for Tottenham as well. Yeah, history should remember him in a Man United shirt as like <laughs> yeah, number, number nine or whatever it will be. but show might still be there. But like, yeah, that that will be, I love that. And I feel like, yeah, Rude can't replicate that because yeah, we were we were winning. Like they were, we weren't trying to really catch up with anyone. This was pre Invincibles. This was just you know routine for Rude. Like he was just a gunman. Yeah. So um, I'm talking myself into thinking that Van, Van Persie should be higher than Rude. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I'd actually choose Van Persie one higher than Rude. Yeah, Ooh. that's just me. Yeah. I thought myself into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did as well. It's crazy. Because <laughs> with Ruud van Nistelrooy as well, like you said, he also had to do with the invincible season at the same time and the Chelsea dominance that came into effect as well. Mm. He was still scoring goals in those seasons at the same time. But with Ruud van Nistelrooy, you would remember the type of goal that he would score within the penalty area, left yeah. foot, right foot, instinctive poachers, finishes. Everyone will remember that Fulham goal running from the halfway line. Mm. he has described it recently yeah. as his favourite ever goal um for Manchester United That's with Gary Neville as well on the overlap so mm. i'm i'm really happy with what we've got going on here but i'm still leaning towards van Persie being below ruvenio because of ruvenio's mostly because of him trying to get us back into european dominance because of that amazing 2003 season of scoring and i think every champions league game that he played in that season yeah, breaking fun. the record so um today obviously you've got to decide and vote i'm going to leave your name <laughs> on the tagline when you post this on social media <laughs> because, um, <laughs> If they need anyone to argue at, they can argue at you. So, who's going number five on our list? Are we going to go for Ruud van Isteroy or
1: are we going to go for Robbie Van Persie? Well, Van Persie was third on my list and Van Istro was higher. So, Ooh. I'm going to say Van Persie. Oh,
0: We'll nice. go with Van Persie now. Going RVP number five. And with Robbie Van Persie as well, he would never score the same type of goal. Yeah. That's what I loved about him. Volleys, diving headers, free kicks. Overhead kicks. You're looking at someone who could do everything as a striker from whatever position as a striker as well. He had the whippage. He could do the pinpoint accuracy passing as well. His whippage was crazy. Do you remember that goal against, what was I against? Was it against Newcastle or against Wigan when he just comes out the edge of the box? Ian Robbins down.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Whips it top mm. left and just like, oh, this is insane. That was That's what you had with Robbie Van Persie. And I a just remember play. that
1: Villa goal as well. The Rooney ball over yeah, and the volley. That, that <laughs> just
0: who doesn't league, remember does it? that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much one at
2: the league. So. That's probably yeah. the most iconic goal to ever win and, and the fact that he came with um, the number 20, um, mm. did, did he score 20 goals? I don't, I don't remember how many goals he no, scored. No, was on 20th title. Was 20th it? title, 20th, yeah, 20th. yeah. So that was the significance of it. But mm. yeah, it was like written in the stars, man. You know, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, crazy player, Robert Van Persie. definitely was. And Arsenal fans will never forgive him for that. Even though he goes, oh, yeah, I enjoyed my time at Arsenal. Arsenal fans don't like him anymore. Yeah, and yeah. we love it. Mate, he always talks for.
1: about Man United. He's a United fan now over yeah, Arsenal. Come on, so yeah. Yeah. You've got to love that.
0: Whenever there's BC sport uh, punditry that needs to be done for Manchester United, it's Robin Van Persie turning up. It's not against the <laughs> Emirates anytime soon. That's <laughs> how
2: you know he's a United legend, he's, Arsenal
0: <laughs> he's welcomed at Old Trafford anytime, Robert Van Persie. Now nah, we love to just, see
2: it. Just, just on that, just a quick caveat. Don't get too shy sidetracked. If Ronaldo was like to be like brought back BT, would it be cool for him to speak on United, or is he—he's more of a Real Madrid legend? You he think? can speak for both. If he's in England, he can speak for uh, Man United, of course. You think he can be say. a legend of two clubs? Of course, yeah, yeah, I think you can. Yeah, so you wouldn't. Okay, I so think... you wouldn't say Van Persie is a legend of Arsenal at all, then? No. Nah, nah. Why not? You want to know I just a, think FA he, he spoke FA Cup in you know, first season.
1: <laughs> yeah, those quotes when he joined us. I just think the little boy inside affinity. of Affinity, yeah. Mm. Arsenal fans aren't having him anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think. Are there other Man United players that were legends at two clubs? That's got me another caveat two, now as well. Legend of
2: two clubs? It's a, bit, Actually, it's a bit like... I mean, Zlatan one.
0: obviously has been legends at multiple clubs, so he doesn't really count. Um, yeah. When you think of Zlatan and Repimovic, you could think of any different club and not be wrong. You could think of PSG, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Man United for, a, for an extent
2: as well. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's harder to for it to be in the same country but mm. it's, I mean, with that in it, mm. I, it probably is.
0: Andy possible. Cole, maybe? Newcastle and Man United?
2: Andy? I don't know about Newcastle. am not sure. Yeah. No. I think he's, he's just a United legend.
0: Yeah. Definitely not a Man City legend for what he's done for Man
2: City. <laughs> mm. He's a United ambassador as well. So.
0: Yeah, You're seeing him, him in Singapore with Dwight York. I'm loving that <laughs> yeah, combination. Exactly. The elite strike partnership. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Robin Van Percy's at number five. Um, I'm very happy to have Andy Cole at number four, personally. So I'm quite happy with what he's done as a Man United player for him, having that combination of Cantona up front as well. I think he's replacing Mark Hughes into the Manchester United side when he first joined him as well. And the fact that he rejected staying at Newcastle also could have been playing for Arsenal as well. He is, I think we see it a lot more this season. I, I've certainly spoken a lot more about Andy Cole this season more than I ever had because first of all, everyone when they talk about goal scoring records whenever you look at the goal scoring records in the Premier League his name is always there Andy Cole 187 goals no penalties Mm. for any of his teams so it goes to show how well he was as a striker you're you're seeing that clip on Filthy Fellas where I forgot his name I think his name is like PK Humble Danny Mm. showed me this clip he's like oh yeah PK Humble talking to Andy Cole he's like oh one-on-one should be easy you got a 70-30 chance and Andy Cole's like are you telling me and that's Andy Cole like he's speaking <laughs> to as well I'm just like you're a, you're a non-league footballer talking to Andy Cole one of the greatest footballers that England's ever produced <laughs> one of the best finishers I've ever seen in my life it's insane but Andy Cole definitely for me top four I would say because I know we've got three others to talk about but for the respect that we can give him for the 99 treble season as well being part of the three people before leaving for I think Blackburn Rovers or Manchester City maybe or Fulham I forgot which, which uh, team he went to as well but Andy Cole is definitely in, in that top four for me, and is that four for me? Zim, what do you think about Andy Cole?
2: I I had him at, at number two, Ooh. actually. Yeah, Ooh. really, really, really high. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's because yeah, I always like your stats to be backed up by trophies and um, consistent. Sorry, Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, far. come to United, come to United. Yeah. um Yeah, and and. The biggest of honours as well um the treble like the best uh thing our club has done in its history the best uh any club has any ever done certainly in the top five or six leagues or whatever um so being a pivotal part of that um along with you know as you mentioned not taking penalties i, I don't want to take that away from any other player to be honest but it's just you know that you're guaranteed a goal without Having a penalty in a match with him, basically, like his record is without penalties, just put it that way. Um, and yeah, I've, I think his he scored all types of goals, lobs. Like, I mem- remember like the lobs against Spurs, like the volleys and stuff like that. Like he's he had pace going behind, like pretty much a complete striker. Um, and I, I don't think his praises get sung enough. And I think so. What I, I put him that high because, yeah, the. The trophies and the goal ratio, which I don't think many other many others on the list could kind of argue against. Um so yeah. So
0: how we kind of we Are we going for Rude Van Israel four and then Andy Cole three or two, maybe? What are you thinking, Anthony?
1: Van Nistro is actually much higher on my list. I had Ooh. cover number six, but again, I've got to admit it's recency bias. I didn't really remember Cole United in his pomp, but obviously I know judging by like previous videos and watching Premier League years that he was obviously a class striker, one of the treble. So I don't mind him being in the top five, but Van Nistelrooy for me is higher. Um, claim to fame: I actually played that Old Trafford in a media match, cool. and Andy Cole was my manager. So, no way um, oh my yeah, day. he was my manager I've got a picture oh as well I oh, he had it ready he had it ready yeah. he was ready <laughs> for this one. Oh my day so Andy Cole was my manager and yeah he's a great guy as well so yeah he, he, he was sixth in mine um, Manistra is a bit higher but I'm happy to have him in the top four if you guys think he should be in there
0: yeah. I'm happy for him for being in my top four. I'm, I need him in my top four. And you can then send him this podcast, and and be like, yeah, I had him six, but the boys <laughs> were a bit higher. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in case we have another charity game coming or another media game coming, it uh, needs yeah. to be done. That's crazy. What was he like as a person then, when you met him?
1: He was actually quite reserved. Um, but yeah, we've basically just played the game between Cole's team and Pallister's team. So Gary mm. Pallister was the other manager. Yeah. I think Quinton Porchin was another coach oh, yeah. as well. So, yeah, it was good fun. But that pitch is big, man. But like, I've also played at Stamford Bridge and Stamford Bridge is tiny compared to Old Trafford. I'd done one run and I was knackered. So, <laughs> fair play to those wingers that you play at Old Trafford.
0: <laughs> now you're looking... Now Antonio Valencia is just looking like a light jog when you're going through... When you <laughs> yeah. see him going up and down that touchline season after season. It's crazy. That's why it was so hench, Antonio Valencia. Just doing laps of the, of the, <laughs> mm. the entire pitch is insane. Uh, but yeah, Andy Cole is at four. Right, now we've got three to kind of go through. We've got Rude Van Isteroy, where Eric Cantona are, and we've got Wayne Rooney. So, mm. Antti, you know what? I'll, I'll let you take away. Who do you think should go for number three
1: on this position and, and why? So, for me, only because, as I mentioned before, recently bias and not seeing him in his heyday, Cantona would be third for me. Ooh. Um... Just because Rooney and Van Nistelrooy have got a special place in my heart, to be honest. Mm. Like what they've done week in, week out, every Saturday, you knew they would score. So, yeah, Cantonal was number three for me. Um, obviously, he had such a big say in Man United. He set up that treble winning team. Obviously, he left just before, but he played yeah. a big role in that. Um, it was a shame when he retired just out of the blue at like, what was he, 29? I think he was. Yeah, um, 29 30. So He hadn't even really hit his peak yet. And obviously, he carried that United team before the treble winning team but just because I didn't see him week in, week out he goes a bit lower for me behind Rooney and Van Okay. Zim, how about you? Where have you
0: what, what's your kind of number three? Are you going for more of a Van or Rooney or a Cantona?
2: I think Cantona. Um, no, nah, I echo what Anthony said nah, he was number three for me as well. um Ooh. I think yeah, in terms of I, I mentioned Andy Cole was number two so um, yeah, it's because of that but um I think I don't want the fact that I didn't see him as much to kind of hinder his position. Um, I'm aware that you know every season that he had a significant amount of games in. We won the league, Um, and he has a unique position of you know having a legacy like role like as a United striker because we hadn't won the league for so so many years, decades. And he came and was the pivotal factor for us getting back to, you know, being the big United and and going on to do like unprecedented things. So that's something that it can be replicated. But um, I mentioned how much, you know, admiration I have for Cole being pivotal for the 99 treble and a three, three-peat. That's something that, you know, you can match because... Um, if you win a free P or if you win a trap treble, then yeah, you've, you've equaled that. It's not easy to do, but you've equaled that. Whereas a club who, you know, are a giant, a, spe- a massive establishment in a certain country that haven't won for ages, are a seapoint giant, and you wake them up, that comes few and far between. You can't just do that on a given year. Like Man United have to, like we haven't won for 10 seasons. Um, and it was even longer since we had won before that. So, it's what he did was that monumental. Um, I'm sort of talking him up and up and up, but I think in terms of stri- pure striking, he yeah he, he wasn't an out and out goal scorer like that. Um, he did much more than just goal scoring. But I think for pure goal scoring, um, he didn't mix it up with the two others, which will probably be higher on the list from for me. So that's, that's the main reason why.
0: No, that's fair enough. I mean, for for this one, I'll obviously have to concede that obviously I'm outvoted with this one, but Cantona was higher on my ad-lib list as well. I would say he was at number two for me because of how he made Manchester United dominant side and how he made Sir Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, in essence, really going from, going from Alex Ferguson to Sir Alex Ferguson. The mm. fact that he, we were the dominant side in the inauguration, in, inaugural Premier League, the first Premier League after signing him from Leeds for 1.2 million pounds we stole him from our bitter Yorkshire rivals which was great to see obviously we're from Lancashire and Manchester um, going from Yorkshire to Leeds but the fact that Eric Cantona first of all just came in and he was like yeah I, I am the guy he didn't really kick her off in France in Marseille um, as much as he hoped and that's why he came over to England and the fact that there weren't many foreigners at the beginning of the Premier League that actually came in to actually have the impact that Eric Cantona had consistently we had a few over the years Tony yabo was one of them you had David ginella of course at Newcastle and Tottenham but Eric Cantonar was the face of the Premier League during the 90s which goes to show how dominant he was as a player as a force and as a as an attacker for Manchester United as well and obviously who can even when you're looking back on your Premier League years and your YouTube clips as well when you've got time if you've got nothing to watch online just type in Eric Cantonar on YouTube Manchester United you'll see him score a last-minute volley against Liverpool at the Old Wembley to win the FA Cup. You'll see him make one of the most outstanding outside-the-boot passes to Dennis Irwin to score a goal, which he said was one of his most favourite moments as well as a as a player from Manchester United. Always trusting your teammates. And has now gone, to, gone on to become an actor, a political activist, and someone who you see every now and then just pop up out of nowhere with some amazing quotations. And For someone like Anthony working in the media, I'm pretty sure you love that, don't you,
1: Anthony? Oh, yeah. He sells back pages, so yeah. Even at this age, when when did he retire? Like, 2000, he retire? 2000? 99, 2000? 99 yeah. maybe. I know, probably sorry. before that. Ninety eight. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's still making back pages and giving people quotes and stuff. Yeah, I think he wanted to become United's director of football at one stage as well, which would have been good fun. But that, <laughs> yeah, Cantona's a, a
2: legend. <laughs> King Cantana like, it, like the other. Comp-
0: wish we had the collars today so we could all pop our colours up in as in tribute <laughs> of Eric Hansner but not not the one Um, but no, he was at two on my list but I'll obviously concede to him being number three if you're happy with that the both of you Anthony and Zim you're happy with him at number three yeah I'm, yeah I'm happy with that nicely done Uh number two between Ruud Van Nistelrooy and Wayne Rooney I'm gonna go out on a I'm just gonna go out and say Wayne Rooney has to be number one for me without a shadow of a doubt coming in as the boy wonder number nine striker to then leaving as a midfield maestro kind of popping in every now and then and still becoming the all-time greatest Manchester United goal scorer Rude Venis at number two for the big impact he had at Manchester United coming in after signing the year before and then having his uh, deal uh, postponed for a whole year because of his injury as well, failing a medical, um, which was the case. So Anthony, let's hear a couple of your main kind of um, memories of Ruud van Isra. like you said it's not so much recency bias but someone who you remember watching growing up and appreciating mm. during your school days and stuff what's kind of your kind of favourite memories of Ruud van Isra? and Zim obviously will get to you yeah. we that as well
1: this may shock you guys but actually van Isra was number one on my list
2: oh he was no, I'm, one. I'm not surprised though because you was said he one. was much higher on your list you said much so. higher yeah, so you, yeah.
1: get, you gave really good hints <laughs> I should have yeah. picked up because with Van you know, these strikers these days, they need three or four chances. Van one chance, one goal. He didn't mess about. He was a deadly finisher. Bang. In my eyes, he was our best ever striker. Leaf put 95 goals in 150 league games for us. Yeah. He was Positive. unreal. And I remember just like on the playground, I was obviously going to school with like those of Chelsea and Arsenal fans. And to have Van in your corner during those days, because you knew you would guarantee you every weekend he would score. Yeah. And even said, I think he was on Rio's podcast, he said if he didn't score, Van Nistro would be upset. Even if they won 3-0, he'd be upset because he was an elite striker. And obviously Rooney was good. I'll give him his credit. He led us to leagues. He could play as a number nine, a number ten. But Van Nistro is a striker. I just loved him. I absolutely loved him. Obviously, we had to wait a year for him, which was disappointing. But even coming back from that knee injury, um, after he'd done his cruciate ligament when he was just about to join United, Mm. he was still class in those i think he had four he had four good seasons for us and one of them he was injured for a bit of it but he scored 23 goals 25 goals 20 goals 21 goals just in the league so for me yeah he was number one what man united could do to have a striker like that in the premier league over the last four or five years that we
0: missed that as well don't have a striker who's lethal in the box who can gobble up chances in a way that can take the chances that need to be taken and that's what happens now in the Premier League as well. You're seeing someone like Haaland scores continuous amount of goals, which is amazing, fantastic to see. But when you're seeing someone like Vlahovic have a purple patch, everyone's like, oh yeah, could he catch him? No. Darwin Nunes, could he catch him? No, they get shifted out to being a winger. And it goes to show that there's so many strikers out there that need to have these kind of chances. Harry Kane's a fantastic example of hard work and dedication, of being a kind of squad player, mid-player at Spurs, to being the main man. And Harlingen is doing such um, such amazing work. And that's what competition does in the Premier League. The Henri, the Van Nistrooy, the Michael Owen competition they had for a season or two before Owen left was really quite fascinating, really, with how many they would score um, over the season as well. Sometimes Henri would beat Van Nistrooy, sometimes Van Nistrooy would beat Henri. Crazy to see how we had that in the early 2000s in England in the Premier League as well. Zim, how about you? Any kind of fond memories you have of Rude Van Nistrooy despite the Arsenal? fight that you've spoken about previously as well and how you wanted to fight Arsenal players after that's that game
2: a, that's a, re- <laughs> a really good memory of yours yeah no that's a, obviously not a fun memory um, the Fulham goal was definitely iconic because I I, used, like, I loved Van Nistelrooy so like, especially playing with him in FIFA and just mm-hmm. you know <laughs> with really behind him just that four, did you ever four, do one, your hair one? like him? no I didn't I didn't. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't I didn't have that much hair back then <laughs> 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 so, yeah. but um, no no uh, the reason why I was excited by that goal in particular is because my style of play—I was—I was a bit of a dribbler, um, and yeah, I could finish, but like I wasn't so much a potent finisher in the way that Rude was, and he used to get a bit of stick for never scoring outside of the box. And okay. I thought, like, this is a player that I love. Like, I just want him to shut people up. And when he did that, I was like, where did it come from? Because he wasn't known <laughs> for having pace, you know. But you just, you know, sometimes like as, as a dribbler, like I, I sort of compare it to like a biting point um, when you're driving. Um, you know you're not going to stall when you, when the pedals like push to a certain amount, right? Yeah. And you know it's just right. So with like dribbling past the defender, you know that if you shimmy your body enough with enough weight, they will move to a certain amount like to the right or left and then you can go on further and like as he was going past every defender in the full of fill team I was like yes yes <laughs> oh there we go I was pretending mm-hmm. like I was him so I really really resonate with that goal um, so yeah that's number one the reason why I don't have him as n- number one on the list is be- purely because um, well we'll get on to Rooney but yeah it's, it, I, I, his goal scoring didn't necessarily amount to us as a team, being that much better, like him leaving and obviously Sahar coming in, and just players who were able to bring others into the game more, um, resulted in us winning the Champions League and you know multiple trophies in a season. So that that's the only thing that that's the only slight I have against him. But in terms of an hour and out, just get get your goal. If you want someone to get your goal, get Rude. That's what it is. So yeah, nothing but good stuff to say about him
0: my, my favourite memory was him against Juventus in the Champions League uh, I don't know if you remember that goal Anthony when he was basically so I could cross into the box or something and just stuck his leg out it was like the furthest I've ever seen Ruud van Nistelrooy stretch I'm just like Ruud can stretch that far and he did and it was crazy to see and there's an iconic <laughs> picture I'll send it to you on the group chat later where he just had his leg up and he goes off celebrating I think he's wheeling his shirt around at Old Trafford I'm just like oh this is crazy Stratford yeah. then Against then finalists um, Juventus, against January <clears> Luigi <throat> Buffon, who would then return to save a couple of penalties in the Champions League final later that season as well. But with Rude Van Istro, I'll happily have him at number two. Fantastic striker I had um, in mind as well. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about strikers in this podcast as well: the fact that you can see so much in his movement that he had in his game, and it wasn't always the most, like Zim said, the most amount of body weight he would move. But sometimes he would do it just to like um, defer a uh, defender away. To allow him to actually, mm. like, post up, basically get a tap in, get a little header, get a little ricochet in, and he'll get it in, and that's what Ruvenisway would bring you in the in the in the team, which was amazing to see. But, um, Anthony, are you going to agree with us and have Ruvenisway at number two, um, or are we going to? Yeah,
1: you convinced me. It was a toss up between Manistero and Rooney, but yeah, yeah, I can have him as number two. I just think those days between Arsenal and United, they were the best days of the Premier League, I think.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Even I remember a little thing like the night videos, they were epic. Like the Arsenal-Man United oh. rivalry with the... the cage Jogo advert. Vinita. Yeah, the cage one and there was another one where they were like hiding in a house and they would go like yeah. boo and stuff. I don't, Henri don't remember that. going all late. Yeah, Henri,
2: Van story. <laughs> Do you think that's Partly, partially because of the stage that we were at in life like it's, it's a bit of nostalgia because we were like quite young when that was happening whereas like yeah. let's say people born in 2000 they might say I mean I don't even know what adverts are out right now but they mm, might think yeah, oh true. Like, Aguero this that yeah. like
0: you know the Nike adverts come out more or less during the World Cup and the Euros right with the Nike ones that, back then it'd be like every other season because of the Premier League and La Liga being so hot yeah, and because yeah. you had so many of these players like Luis Figo you had wow. Zidane you had Ronaldo mm. the marketing people from these brands just took just took it for a, for a spin and yeah. that's what mm. fans loved and they appreciate it you had that Pepsi advert David Beckham yeah, taking Pepsi a free one. kick with Pepsi mm. With mm. Him, ponchos awesome. and something it's insane you had the um, the stadium one with Portugal and um, Brazil um, mm. as well it was crazy you had the Mambo number five one I think with another one as well which is insane so in terms of nostalgia definitely brings back the nostalgia yeah. but when you are like you saw at the World Cup this year you had the time travel one right with Mbappe against Ronaldinho and all of that oh, yeah yeah. it was great it was great to watch it didn't really click because you could tell yeah. they're wearing their VFX um, screens and everything as well yeah. and you're just kind of there like oh yeah it's cool but yeah, then you had you're, the Neymar one back in like 2014 mm-hmm. when the kids are playing. they're like, oh, I'm Neymar, I'm Ronaldo. And then Neymar would pass it back. It's like, Neymar would never do that.
1: And you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. I, think I also be, think it's because like nowadays you see so much of footballers on Instagram and stuff, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. They're advertising everything. Whereas back then you wouldn't see Van Nistelrooy unless he was on the football pitch.
2: That's it. You wouldn't
1: see Henri. Now they're just everywhere. So 100%. I think just seeing those clips back then, because you wouldn't see them outside of a football pitch so yeah they were just unreal I think There's like, you never or... see
0: you never see Van Nistre dancing with his teammates after, or his, <laughs> his players uh, um, like he was for PSV or Henri wearing a crown like he did on CBS the other day um, King mm. Henri the coronation and him getting starstruck by Paolo Maldini but now you see it everywhere because it's always in TV and stuff
2: CBS is, is funny though I'll give them that um, yeah. but in, in terms of the adverts right I think now the better adverts are the ones which are not like they're not animated or they're like for instance the messy one where he had different generations of himself and mm. um I think it was advertising the boot just before the World Cup. Um and yeah, they were all on the same pitch, sort of like the Spider-Man meme where they're yeah, all yeah. pointing at each other. That that's mm. good. And that's not um that that wasn't like a, a motion advert. I think it was just a photo or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's more iconic. And obviously him versus Ronaldo playing chess with the Louis Vuitton mm. sort of thing, iconic. Whereas like the actual motion adverts, like they don't hit the same as they did back in back in the day. So mm. you're probably being even a bit generous by saying it wasn't bad. Like I think I think they don't slap at all to be
0: honest. You had you had the Brazil one, remember, when you had the Nike one and that was animated, you know, someone like David Luiz, Tim Howard. You had a couple of other players in there and you're like, "That's just forgettable because it's animated in a way. So, yeah, um, I can kind of get it from that point of view as well. But there was one player who we all saw quite a lot of in marketing, in media, on the back pages, on the front pages, Mm -hmm. Anthony. You would imagine seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. Wayne Rooney um, everywhere when he was coming through at Manchester United. And I think it's quite, I think we're going to be unanimous in crowning him the best Manchester United striker in the Premier League era. We're all kind of going to agree with that as well, which is great. But with Wayne Rooney, being on every single FIFA was a big thing, a very, very big thing. Because when you see someone like Jamie Redknapp say, "Ah, oh, Erling Haaland is the first Premier League superstar that they've ever had. I mean, hello, Wayne Rooney is on every single FIFA. He was the golden boy of England for a good number of years, even before he joined Manchester United. When he went to that European Championship 2004, he slapped up Lilian to Ram. He would... I think 360 Zidane, which was insane. And you're like, hold on, this is a kid versus Zidane. And you're like, this is insane. We lost yeah. the game, but the whole world took notice of Wayne Rooney that night. Kind of like when Gareth Bell made everyone notice him against oh Zidane God. when they lost.
2: Yeah. Mm. Insane.
0: But with Wayne Rooney, what he did and what Alex Ferguson did to spend that 27 million pounds um, to sign him that summer. Glad he didn't go to Newcastle. Glad he came to Manchester United. That debut... Um, against Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce.
2: Oh. Mm. That's
0: in my heart. That's that's one of those that will be in my heart for scoring. Mm. Three amazing goals. One better than the other. A free kick on his debut. A ripped shirt as well. I don't know why he had a ripped shirt when he walked. <laughs> to <that. laughs> insane to see. And then I still remember him giving the ball away for their second goal, um, Fenerbahce's second goal. The game finished like 6-2. And it was insane. And you're like, if this is what we've got with Wayne Rooney to come, I'm all for it. And all Man United fans are all for it. He had his ups, he had his downs, but he had his time in the sun more times than not at Manchester United. But unfortunately, for some times, he was a supporting member in that team. But when he was the main man at Manchester United, he took it with both hands, especially in that 2010, 2000, no, 2009, 2010 season. Do you remember that period when all he was doing was scoring headers? Headers against mm, Milan, yeah. headers in the Premier League. Unreal
1: to see. And you're just like, this is the number yeah. one striker in the country. And now he's adding after- headers to his game. Yeah, that was after Tevez and Ronaldo left, didn't yeah,
0: it? And exactly. he had to step yeah. up and be the number
2: nine. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's,
0: when, mantle. that's when he went back to being a number nine as opposed to being like a second striker with Carlos Tevez as well and tracking back all the time. And that partnership he had with Park Ji-sung and Nani, Park Ji-sung and Valencia, Nani and Valencia, that was quite fun to watch as well because it was a counter-attacking style of play that Sir Ferguson Ferguson really liked to do. Um, and that's kind of why he got rid of Ruvan Nistro to an extent because he wanted to build on Ronaldo and Rooney moving forward. And that's what he did. Um, to extent, but Antti, I just wanted to kind of ask you a bit more about your meeting with
1: Wayne Rooney, if you're allowed to kind of share that with us, if you don't have to sign an NDA or anything like that no. as well. Yeah, so I was on an NBA trip to Washington, and I think Rooney had just joined Washington as a player, Yeah. so yeah, I just collared him, it was him and his son, Kai Rooney, and yeah, he was right, he gave us, it wasn't a pre-planned meeting, but he gave us 10 minutes of his time, he wouldn't speak about Man United then, but yeah, no, he's a legend. His son called me Kevin Hart. Apparently, I look like Kevin Hart. So, yeah, he's a bit dodgy because <laughs> I don't think I look anything like him. But now, nah, Rooney was a good guy. He's really personable.
0: You know, I'm making like anyone... a video about this and making a side by side with you and Kevin Hart. I'll find yeah, the most Kevin Hart looking picture is... of you, but he yeah. still won't look like <laughs> Kevin Hart.
1: Yeah, no. But now, nah, he's obviously a legend. And he was just so approachable as well. You'd think someone of his stature. He'd have loads of security around him. But obviously in America, it's a bit different. Like, mm. Not many people will class him as like LeBron James or Kobe Bryant on that level. But mm. yeah, no, he's just a family man, I think. And he's just a normal lad from Liverpool who obviously had an unreal talent. He made it to the top of English football and yeah, props to him. I had him at number two, but yeah, he can be number one as so. well. What was your favourite moments with Wayne Rooney um, at Manchester United? Do you have any
0: one or two that kind of stand out for you? Obviously, we'll talk about the City um, goal. We'll talk about the Newcastle goal. But anything kind of after that? Because for me, I really loved his games against Arsenal, personally. I love the fact he would take it to them every other game. That was fun for me, especially for all of us being Londoner, Man United fans as well. But did you have anything kind of after the main kind of top heights that Wayne
1: Rooney hit that you kind of appreciated, Anthony? I was going to say the Newcastle goal, just because of the clash with the referee, I just think that was funny. I think he was about to be substituted as well. He was obviously mouthing off the referee and the way he hit that ball with Venom into the top corner, that's one of the standout goals that will be remembered for a long while. And obviously the City bicycle kick, I know it came off his shin, but still another big goal. I think we won that game, was it 3-2? 2-1. 2-1 was it? Yeah, and that was the winner, wasn't it? That was a winning goal. Yeah, no, he was a legend. Obviously, there was a bit of a a bad mark when he he wanted to leave. It looked like he wanted to go to City. He was pushing for that move, but he saw sense in the end and stayed. So, yeah, he's going to be a legend forever. Definitely. And Zim, obviously,
0: the highest record um, goal scorer and play that we had. And I'm going to say player loosely because he was a striker at times. He was a midfielder at times. He was a number 10 at times as well. But was there a kind of essence in Wayne Rooney's attacking play that really got you going as a young kid as someone who liked to dribble because Wayne Rooney could dribble even to his mid-30s as well I remember one of my favourite moments personally is watching Wayne Rooney live against Tottenham Hotspur after he had that um, incident about getting knocked out in a video with Phil Barsley and then Mm -hmm. he played against Tottenham with a Lou Van side. so Carrick scored Fellaini scored or Fellaini then Carrick and then Wayne Rooney scored he went past Bentaleb like he wasn't there he nutmegged I think Eric Dyer, or he nutmegged one went past another one slotted it past Hugo Lloris and this is him at like 31, 32 and he's been playing since he was 16, 17 years old so he showed that he still had it even to the age that he was and he had that iconic boxing celebration as well but was there any iconic moments
2: for you that really stood out for Wayne Rooney um, and for yourself as well as growing up? I had him on the back of my shirt. Every shirt that Ooh. I got, every Man United shirt I got was ruined. Mm-hmm. And yeah, talking about when he was, just briefly, um, when he was planning to leave or thinking about leaving, like that was devastating. And I had trust issues thereafter. Like that's <laughs> how much he meant to me. Um, But yeah, no, I, I'd say obviously the ones that you mentioned go without saying. Like the Newcastle one definitely stand out to me. Um, <laughs> It it just, I I love imperfection. I love, like when we think about football, right? We think about um, romance and, um, you know, like, it's an emotional game. Like, why do we support who we support, whether it comes to teams or players? Like, they give you a feeling. They give you moments, right? So, because otherwise you can support anyone else, right? And with Rooney, because of his imperfections, because he was flawed, but then he would, like, sprinkle a touch of brilliance, like, quite regularly, actually. That's, That's what drew me to him. You know, he can do everything. He had the lot, you know, and he and and people used to get at his looks, people used to say stuff like Shrek and stuff like that. I was like, what why are you why are you thinking mm-hmm. about that? Like, look at what he does on the pitch. Like, it's beautiful what he does on the pitch. You know, you could call it a juxtaposition, but like yeah. it's it's fascinating what he does. From counterattacks in the Champions League against Arsenal, you know, where you're running the full length of the pitch, you see Ronaldo in a fast corner, left foot. Perfect weighted pass after sprinting the whole pitch, you mm. know, to to you know, you're out of breath, but you still had that composure to to get the ball with the right weight to Ronaldo to finish it off. I've played Sunday League. I know I know the pitches are better in you know Premier League and Champions League, right? But to get that on point is so difficult. Like mm. when you when you play Sunday League and you know play against you know they're the decent players in Sunday League, like people that can kick ball. And then you realize, like these lot are levels ahead, but they make everything look so easy. It's just I just have to just give it up to them, you know. Like Rooney, the fact that he was so accurate with things like free kicks to, um, yeah, volleying from outside the box to you know long range passing, exactly. Ram-Tursey. But then also track back and slide tackle a fullback. Or something like that. He, mm. he could literally do everything. So there's many too many memories to, to, yeah, to name. Yeah. I think even his last goal, um, you know, when we were on a deb- demise, obviously post Fergie, um, he scored a free kick. Top Stoke. Yeah, top a goal. Mm-hmm. record breaking. Record breaking and, and just calm celebration, just hands in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, get the ball back. Let's get one more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he was a clutch player, wasn't he? He was a clutch, clutch
1: player. Literally. And he was so selfless as well. Like, as I said, the 07-08 team was my favourite team. Most of the time, Rooney had to be on the left wing, even though he was yeah. a number 10, even though he was a number nine. He yeah. was covering Ronaldo because he knew Ronaldo wouldn't trap back. Mm. Yeah. So, to be part of that team, to be so selfless, helping Rooney, helping Tevez. Yeah, he's a clutch player, man. So, yeah. You've changed my mind. I think he's number one. <laughs> Numero
2: uno, the floor genius from yeah. Liverpool, Wayne Rooney. Oh, oh just, just, just to add, sorry. Um, yeah, the fact that he could do everything, but when it came down to goal scoring, he could do that too. That That's key. That's what separated it for me and him, him and Rude. Yes, Rude was a bags man. But Rooney, when he was asked to be the main number nine after Ronaldo and Tevitz left, it was like, yeah, cool. I've got this. He's like, chill. I've got this. And he really did. So, yeah, yeah that's it.
0: Nah, that's it, man. What a way to talk about Wayne Rooney and talk about the top 10 Man United strikers from our list anyway, which is great to see. But again, with Wayne Rooney, I think got more than 250 goals in in Manchester United colours for him to be um, someone who's been revered as England's top goalscorer until Harry Kane took over recently as well. It kind of goes to show that he was kind of that, again, flawed genius in so many different ways and just got under... He got underappreciated a lot. Even now he gets underappreciated a lot with what we do and that's why I love talking about him with like-minded people who appreciate Wayne Rooney for what he was as a footballer mm. and obviously with Anthony Hay giving us the impression of him as a man it makes it so much more sweet to actually know how much he actually did care about other
1: people talk with other people give them a the time of day it's great to see um, as Yeah well. and even though the media was so harsh on him he still gave me time he could have been like nah just go away because he knew yeah. that I was from the Daily Mail yeah. I think my colleague was at The Sun at the time so yeah he still gave us time and also 253 United goals will anyone ever match that? I think it's going to be how very who hard. Who for a match that? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> how, who match how,
2: How's, how's Rashford doing? That. Like, I, I, I think he, he'll probably be the closest like, if he stays. But yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult. It's a good point. Very, very difficult.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to see. I mean, when we when we all met last summer as well, we talked about who would eventually replace Ronaldo. And we were talking about like uh, Christopher and Kunku. We were talking about Martial could still lead the line. Um, I'm not even sure if we can find another striker like that who could actually look at... Getting the 250 goals, unless we find someone like Erasmus Hoyland from Atlanta. Yeah. Maybe if you do go for like a Vlahovic and we build around him over the next couple of seasons as well, it's going to be very, very difficult to see the future of Manchester United getting to maybe even close of north of 100 goals because Marcus mm. Rashford, what 2015
1: 16 season to 2023 season,
0: 600. So Rashford's is. on
1: 122. Mm. So he's still got another, what, 130?
0: 130.
1: That's doable, I suppose, if he's at us for another like five, yeah, six, seven it's, seasons.
0: It's, it's five, six doable, seasons, man. it's definitely doable. As long as he's got yeah. more strength and depth and he's got the support around him, he can he could maybe eclipse that before, again, 30 years old, I'd say. He's, what, 24, 25 now, so I reckon he'd be able mm. to do that, which would be quite nice as well. Um, but yeah, just to go through our list one more time, number 10, we had Teddy Sheringham um treble winner impact player coming into the team we had Zlatan Ibrahimovic at number nine who again another impact player coming in for a season scoring the goals that he had absolute showman of a player as well would love watching him and I spent more times than not going to watch Man United that season because of Zlatan Ibrahimovic um number eight we had Ole our Champions League match winner um back in 1999 and obviously former manager Carlos Tevez may ruffle some feathers, but he definitely won't ruffle any of our feathers for being at number seven. Amazing striker and potentially one of the most most key components we had as a striker back in 2007, 2008. Dwight York, we had at number six, um, who we're really happy to have, again, another impact player in the 1999 season. Zim, why don't you round off the number five to one for us, please? So who did we have at number five?
2: Uh, I believe we had... Was it Dwight York? No, no, we have Van, Van Persie at number five. Van Persie had, at number um,
1: five.
2: Yeah, Van person number five. Um, then we had uh, Andy Cole number four, and we had uh, Eric King Cantona at number three. Then we had Rude <laughs> at number two. Um, I used to think that celebration people were booing him because he was so good, like you hear it in the background, like, all around the stadium. Even people yeah, yeah. booing.
0: <laughs> Came out and said that I think as well. Was like, oh yeah, no, we just love you, Rude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, finally at number one well deserved um Waza, we have Wayne Rooney. Remember the name. He goes
0: by the name of Wayne Rooney. Mm -hmm. Unreal. And that's that's the thing. Sometimes you won't see players like this anymore because of the whole... We've spoken about this before, Zim, and Anthony, you all know as well, the whole system type of football that you see nowadays. Everyone has to fit a system. Everyone has to play in multiple positions. Sometimes a flawed genius isn't there. Sometimes a definitive goal scorer isn't there anymore and kind of gets kicked out of football, unfortunately, gets talked down upon, which ain't great. But... Football was about entertainment. Football was about showmanship. And a lot of these players that we have in our te- top 10 list were showmans in in their own sense by scoring mm. goals and scoring goals of different varieties,
1: um, which are great to see as well. Right. Just one other player to mention quickly, just because I didn't put him on my list. But I was going to say honourable mentions anyway, but yeah, yeah, go for it. Louis Saha, I just think if he was fit, I think Fergie put in his book, and I think Rio said it, he was one of the best strikers United ever had if he was fully fit. In mm-hmm. training, right foot, left foot, header. He could score any type of goals, but obviously he was just injury prone. So, yeah, yeah just honourable mention to Saha. Honourable mention honourable mention to Dimitar Berbatov for me.
0: Yeah. Again, people, a lot of people forget that 2010-11 season when Wayne Rooney was injured in and out the side. A young Javier Hernandez um, in the team as well. Dimitar Berbatov, top scorer of that season, didn't make the Champions League final squad, which I still yeah. find a bit insulting that. Michael Logan came on as a sub in that game and didn't really make an impact but even so Berbatov sort of left two seasons afterwards as well um, mm. which is a shame but a touch of class touch of elegance touch of poise and the fact that he had probably one of the best first touches I've ever seen from mm. a footballer as well goes to show how well he was as a as a striker as well Zim, um, any
2: honourable mentions from you? Um, I was just thinking about Martial because of uh, well I don't even know if he's my honourable mention but I'm thinking about how um Injured, Saha was, mm. and because we were in a winning team then, it kind of no one really spoke about it as much as with Martial now. I know his impact wasn't as much, but I do remember the season where him and Rashford bagged like over twenty goals, and I was like, ah, oh, this could be our our strike partnership for the future. Um, so yes, it's a it's a bit of a shame that it's kind of ph- ph- phased out a little bit, fizzled out, um, because. Yeah, post Sir Alex, we haven't had great signings, but this could have been a potential one for for the future. So, yeah, he was just on my mind. Um, I don't know if that counts as an honourable mention, but mm-hmm. what could have been? What could have been? Let's say
0: definitely, definitely. I'm trying to think, who else? Now we're not going to go down the road of Danny Welbeck, Federico Makeda. That's a bit too mm-hmm. bit too much. I mean, Mark Hughes obviously was a before my time, but he would definitely get an honourable mention. Brian McClair, of course, again before my time, but he'd get appreciation as well. That's kind of it, I would say, in terms of who we can kind of mention from mm-hmm. the Premier League era. Mame Biram Duf, do you remember him? Oh, what a player. <laughs> I remember more at Stoke for getting ruined by Anthony Marshall, if you remember yeah. that as well. Anthony Marshall made him do the splits. Oh, it's yeah. one goal, I think, against Burnley, if I remember. Uh, Mame Biram Duf, and that was it, um, from what I remember. Who else are we trying to think? We had so many strikers that just haven't worked out. Um, yeah, some from our Lepardu, academies. Kobani. Cavani, honourable mention right there as well. He had a decent time and then didn't really want to play the second season as well. Just wasn't bothered with it. And then yeah, that's been it's been quite nice. And we're definitely not going to mention another Dutchman called Wout van Nistrooy. It's definitely mm, not the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy to see. All right then, everyone, before we wrap up our podcast, Anthony and Zim are going to share one more suggestion for who they want this summer for Manchester United to sign as their striker. Mm. So we've got quite a few to go through. I may have to do my own little video on this as well for the podcast but I think when you've got people like Marcus Turam on a free, you've got Harry Kane potentially going out of contract who said he still loves being at Spurs deluded as he is or maybe he's doing really good PR. Um, Anthony, who are you kind of thinking you would want as a number one striker for next season, first game of the season at Old Trafford? Who would you well, want? unlimited to budget?
1: Anyone? I can unlimited on. budget. Who you want? I'd go for Harry Kane. Obviously, Mbappe would be the dream and um, mm. Harlem I absolutely love but I just think Kane, as we said about Van Persie, he knew he came in, hit the ground running. Kane guarantees you 25 goals easy. Yeah. Like, imagine him linking and up the with... And the assist Nampin. as well. Imagine him linking up with Bruno, with Sancho, you could probably get more out of Rashford. I'd personally go for Harry Kane. I know a lot of people want Oshman because he's younger. Obviously, Kane's 29, he's had his ankle injuries, but I still think he can go on for another four or five seasons. Like Players are lasting longer now. He's quite a fit individual. I know he's talked about going into NFL eventually, but I'm sure he'll do that when he's like 40 or something. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think Harry Kane for me. He'd be, what's he going to be, 100 mil? I know, obviously, Tottenham are hard to deal with, but I'd stack all my money on him. They'd rather
0: sell to us than to Chelsea, who are looking for number nine as well, um, which would be the case. Did you say you'd go for the same? Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, with Kane as well, he's you mentioned assists and everything i think he's, he's the whole package what we need um and yeah I, I think the ankle thing is a bit overstated as well i don't remember the last time he was injured to be honest like he's um yeah he, he, he's very available he's got a good availability so i'm not worried in that front um yeah there's like obviously other mentioned names like um Hoyland, Rasmus Hoyland, you actually mentioned him earlier on the podcast. Like, but these wouldn't be number ones. He would be like, you know, backup strikers, because yeah, yeah we, we can't just Harry Kane will come in to start, but we definitely need more depth than that. Um and yeah, hit him I think Hoyland's more of a similar profile to Oshiman in that um yeah, he's like a, a very physical, um, very quick. He's actually quite good with his feet. Um, but I think Harry Kane, in terms of what we can guarantee, is what we need. That's Mm. pure and simple as that. Yeah, Napoli will try and sell him
0: uh, Ostermen for an arm and a leg as well. So it'll be one of those where if you were to go for someone Premier League proven, then someone who you need to kind of risk it on for a year. Because again, Mm. we've seen... Who have we seen? We've seen a lot of players come from Italy where they haven't really done that well in terms of when you're trying to buy... Strikers from them as well it's quite, mm-hmm. quite different Even the West
1: Ham strikers Gamaka. Gamaka, yeah, 40 Everyone million. was raving about him Has he done anything?
2: You
0: got Danny Yings in the, in January To replace him Because he wasn't even doing that well um, In terms of what they were looking for as well Romelu Lukaku obviously He left Italy Coming back to Chelsea he Did do like Chelsea not doing that well uh, In Italy again Getting used to it all as well Goes to show that When you've got someone like Edin Dzeko Who didn't redo really that well At Manchester City After the title winning season doing quite well at Roma, doing well in Milan, another good like, kind of go. It's a big difference, I'd say, from Syria for strikers than in the Premier League, than any other position from what I've seen as well. You'll get defenders and midfielders coming from Syria who are pretty good. but strikers are a big goal from quality in terms of scoring and settling into the league as well. Mostly because of the physicality of it, you would imagine, which would be the case. A um, few honourable mentions from me. I'd like to see someone like Marcus Turan come on on a free, maybe as a second striker. He's 25, 26 years old. Always been the main man for Monsieur Gladbach as well. Ideally, ideally, I would like to see Harry Kane come in. That would be the dream because if you get Harry mm-hmm. Kane in, like you said, he elevates everyone around you like you would see a Teddy Sheringham or a Van Persie do as well. And for once, you would actually see Bruno Fernandes not being the main kind of focal point in an attack as well. When you're seeing teams now, saw so West Ham the other day just all over Bruno Fernandes because they know Wu course. It's like that meme you see when someone's open in basketball because they know he's not going to score. That's what it's like when you see Gugwey mm. Kors play for Man United. And it just goes to show that with Martial, his finishing has been poor this season as well. When he has been playing, it's not been great. Um, and when Marcus Rashford isn't on it, we have not much else elsewhere. But when you got Harry Kane in the team, that would be perfect. That would be really, really good, um, which would be great. Right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Anthony, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. As always, it's been great to see you again. Zim, as always, it's been great to see you and look forward to seeing you both hopefully later this summer, which will be great. Um, And I think we're good to go. Everyone
2: have a lovely week. Take care and goodbye. Cheers.